0: Um
2: You're listening to BGN Radio.
1: Thrown out to the far side of the bubble screen and running in for the touchdown is Jeremy Macklin.
2: Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, fueled by Duncan Philly Mm -hmm. and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.
0: We have uh, made it to an all-important episode, episode number 80, which means we are just 20 years away from 100. And it looks like we're going to break that before 100 episodes of this garbage that you guys put up with. I am very proud that all all of you uh, have uh, stayed with us here. And, uh, yeah, we'll hit 100 before, I think, the season starts. So that'll be uh, very exciting. Uh, Some big news Coming out of the Senior Bowl, obviously we're going to talk about that. Mike K is joining us right now. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, how's
2: it going, man? I love that intro. I'm yeah. glad that we're 80, so that we can like kind of feel like we're the golden generation of the United States. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we're just, we're just, we've got a bad hip, but it's because we took some shrapnel and like a war that was actually important. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly right. And uh, you know, I'm sure Mike has uh, some of his Senior Bowl guys lined up. We also have. Very, uh, very uh, guest-heavy show, which we are very proud to have uh, Jeff Risden back as uh, he was helping us out with the East-West Shrine Game, gave us the uh, news notes uh, going in there, and also... I think we got to ask him too because he had uh, he had tweeted out this week that Chip Kelly and Bill O'Brien were uh, were ripping the scouting process of an NFL team. I'll have to ask him about that and see uh, see if he can give us any more details. Plus, uh, we will have uh, Max Williams, the uh, tight end from Minnesota, who is uh, I think he's uh, like kind of a perfect hybrid of if you took Ertz and Selleck together, you have like a a Frankenstein tight end, and he's. uh, very, uh, very impressive uh, uh, all-around tight end. I know Mike is pretty high on him as well. And uh, we'll also be talking to Sean Hickey. He's the guard from Syracuse uh, that will be uh, just uh, finished up the East-West Shrine game, so we'll ask him about that process and what he plans to do as the uh, as the draft comes along here. But uh, first and foremost, Michael, uh, Jeremy Macklin just did a little touch of news and saying that. He's uh, refusing to cut his hair until he gets a new contract. So I guess we'll start with the over-unders. How many inches uh, does he grow out his hair before, you know, he uh, finally gets a new contract?
2: Well, let's see. Uh, he, he would have to start negotiating in, in March. So I guess it's, it's mid-January right now. Let's go with three and a half inches yeah i don't know
0: where he started from otherwise i'd have a. will take uh i think i'll take the over on three inches because i think he's a man that's he's got uh his hair grows long and fast uh so i'll i'll take the over on three inches and we'll keep you updated on that yeah i i don't expect the eagles to waste any time with uh with macklin uh you know probably day one of of free agency they'll probably uh have something in place there so um yeah and, and just lo- speaking of of wide receivers mike i know that there's there's been a lot of discussion back and forth uh, for the last two weeks, as far as you know what what you would in, improve uh, this Eagles' offense with. And there's a couple of great, uh, well, I think great wide receivers that are going to be playing in the Senior Bowl. Um, are, are, would you look at that first, as far as uh, putting another piece uh, with this Eagles' offense together, or you would you look elsewhere? Are you looking would you look to add another tight end or an offensive lineman, or I know that's an issue. Grab a running back. Where would you look for? Uh, 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 an added piece in this offense.
2: Well, I, I mean, I think wide receiver, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, especially if you're looking at the senior bowl, you're looking at a guy like Sammy Coates, or you're looking at a guy like Vince Mail, who I'm a huge fan of. He, uh, that dude can make some plays, and he can catch a lot of balls. He kind of was like the Josh Matthews of the Pac-12. I'm sorry, Jordan Matthews of the Pac-12. And then you got Justin Hardy uh, from East Carolina, who, who's got great hands, Uh, he's like a poor man's, uh, Odell Beckham. So who's probably going to play in the slot. So yeah, there's like a decent amount of guys that you could really look at in the senior bowl and say, Hey, Macklin, Matthews, Huff, and whoever you want of these guys and be like, wow. We're going to be stacked on offense. You, you've got to pick your poison. And I think last year they kind of got away from that because really the only big play threat was uh, was Macklin. And I think you need a guy that can really stretch the field, whether you're going cheap in free agency with a guy like Eddie Royal who has speed and can get to the end zone and is actually really underrated in the red zone, or you go for a big receiver in, in the draft, which there are going to be uh, plenty of them, um, and coach is probably the most athletic of all of them, inconsistent, but the most athletic. And then I think you're looking at running back because really the running game is what makes this team go and uh, I would blame not necessarily the running game for why the team struggled so much, but uh, it definitely didn't help.
0: Yeah, absolutely and and um, you know it's just the thing I don't think the even uh, I, I saw our good friend Kunal Shaw, who writes for the Big Blue View, talking about that as well and whether or not, you know, the Giants would consider going uh, offensive linemen in the top 10, but there are there are some concerns there. Even my uh, my good friend Brandon Sh- uh, Sheriff from Iowa, you know, guys like that, if, maybe if they fall down to where the Eagles are and who knows if the Eagles are going to stay there because either way I don't think the Eagles are going to stay at 20. But uh, I, another guy I wanted to, uh, you know, you touched on Sammy Coates. That's a guy I know we're all high on. We'll ask uh, Jeff Ridsen about this too, but uh, Tony uh, Lippet or Lippet um, uh, I, from uh, Michigan State who says he's going to flop both sides here uh, to be corner or wide receiver. I think he's got a lot of things going for him either way. I know he played uh, the cornerback a little bit in um, uh, his freshman year, but I think he's actually a pretty decent wide receiver that a lot of people aren't talking about. He's got a lot of great ball skills. And we talk heavy about uh, wide receiver, obviously, uh, because it's sexy and all that good stuff. But, you know, obviously, corner's the, uh, a need as well, Mike. Um, anybody that's under the radar besides your, your Quentin Rollins and all that other stuff that you're looking at here?
2: A guy from uh, Miami, Ladarius Gunter, I really, really like. This dude's huge. He's six foot two and 198 on, on UM's. Website. I don't remember what he weighed in, actually weighed in at, but uh, this dude's big. This dude's big, and he plays big. He's uh he could be a guy that you look at as like a Seattle prototype. Um, he uses his hands very well. He's he uh he's a former junior college guy, so he's only played thirty seven games of like meaningful like college football at UM, but he started thirty of them. Um, the guy can get into the backfield. He can get up blocks. He can cost turnovers. He had a forced fumble and six interceptions in those thirty-seven games. He's got experience at both corner and safety. Um, I really like him. I think if you can get him in the second round, that's money. I mean, this dude is uh, this dude's a really special player. I have the feeling that the Eagles are going to have to move up in a lot of rounds if they don't if they don't actually move up to get Mariotto or or do something like that. You brought up Sheriff. I know I'm getting a little off topic, but uh, Chip Kelly would cream himself if that guy was available at 20 yeah, yeah. the way that guy moves in space he's one of the fastest offensive linemen I think I've ever seen off the ball so he's a guy that I think they'd be interested in if we're talking more about corner still Josh Shaw from USC he's got a little bit of character concerns because he did um, lie about having an injury how he had an, suffered an injury in his senior year at USC um, He hurt his ankle and then was uh, was suspended for most of the year only played in uh, three games collected 12 tackles in that in that span but uh he originally started at uf transferred to usc uh played three two years at usc collected 67 tackles four interceptions and and had seven pass breakups i mean he, he's got experience he did really well in the shrine game he had that pick on um our boy uh from old dominion taylor henecki uh in the red zone or in the end zone um that basically saved a touchdown so the guy has skills. Uh, the Eagles have talked to him reportedly and had a meeting with him. And then they, he said that they he had asked he had been asked about the the uh, lying. So very interesting to see where the Eagles place him.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously they have been uh, pretty active with uh, secondary defensive backfield guys. Um, Eric Rose, another guy that I know they've talked to, who I think fits the profile pretty pretty cleanly. Uh, I know there's a couple of guys that are uh, well, not not a couple of guys. I should just say Matt Matt uh, Daring is not a big fan of him but I think he's just a I think he's you know Malcolm Jenkins with better ball skills um, if you put him at safety corner not so much but he played uh, you know uh, all cornerback uh, down in uh, or over I guess in in Utah there but primarily played safety his entire college career so that's one guy that we're interested in another guy we're interested in as he is right on the Duncan Philly hotline is Mr. Jeff Risden from the Real GM and a feature writer for the Detroit Lions uh, for Bleacher Report and he is down Right now at uh, the Senior Bowl practice, taking news and notes and tweeting uh, some funny things about Chip Kelly. Jeff, how are you, buddy?
1: Uh, thanks for having me on again. I' well, loving the the nice warm weather down here in Mobile, Alabama. I, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it's about 25 degrees there, and it's 70 <laughs> and sunny here, so I, I'm having a great time. I
0: think that's uh, that's a good exchange. Yeah, we'll take that any day of the week. But uh, yeah, so I mean, like, what as far as the process goes, I know it's a it's a slightly different. And this is a, a little more hands on. So what's What's the difference, I guess, you're seeing in between what you saw at the East-West Shrine game and what's going on at the Senior Bowl? Uh,
1: this is a much higher level of, of competition. You've got some guys here that are going to be first-round picks. There's a lot of second- and third-round picks mixed in down here. Uh, there, there was nobody last week that I think is going to get drafted before the third round. And, and just as an example, Zadarius Smith, the, uh defensive end from Kentucky, was in the Shrine game and was very good there. And he's up here this week, and he looks pretty darn pedestrian against guys like... You know TJ Clemmings and and some of the other tackles here. Uh, th- there's definitely a, a big step up the level of competition, especially amongst the linemen.
2: Jeff, uh, we talked to Sean Hickey today, uh, today, and he was talking about at the Shrine Game how much he was trying to take advantage of every rep. Uh, I know, Mike, you uh, kind of you and a couple of other pundits really uh, gave a lot of shade to uh, Mike Singletary and the way he he ran practices. Are you noticing a similar thing? At, at the senior bowl practices or are guys getting the opportunity to showcase their talent during practice
1: oh it's night and day uh and there were people actually grumbling yesterday about the south practice which is coached by the jaguars team about not having as much uh um, offense versus defense and and mano a mono combat uh but even that was it was miles better than anything we got out of single period. Uh,
0: uh the other difference you know and it's it was noticeable yesterday as far as the first thing that goes into it and in I don't know if it, you know. Some people call it a meat market. Uh, some people call it like an, an eye onto what is uh, you know what a, a player's you know physicality and their you get to take a look at their their wingspan and all that stuff. And more so as I'm you know I'm more on the fan side here. I'm more amateurized. Do you really get a sense of you know? I know a guy like Blake Sims looked like he came in a little overweight, out of shape, any any type of thing like that, or wasn't prepared. Does that have a humongous impact on the way? you scout guys and look at guys and things like that? Uh,
1: It does a little bit. Yeah. Blake Sims looked like he was wearing a prosthetic stomach. I mean, it was really not a a good look at all, Uh, but you you are looking for certain things uh, and it does translate. Jeff Luke, uh, the linebacker from Cincinnati was totally rocked up. He had people, you know, he had their full attention with the way he looked walking up on the stage in his underwear and he has backed it up on the field. And there are a lot more people buzzing about him. You know, if he looked like just a normal guy, or or not even all that rocked up, I don't think he'd be getting the the positive reviews that he's getting, but uh, he really helped himself by being in great shape. Uh, The Yale, uh, Tyler Varga, uh, fullback and running back from Yale, he's, and I mean this in all sincerity, he is one of the best looking humans I've ever seen in my life. He is the guy (laughs) at the gym that everybody else at the gym wants to be. uh, And he, that has helped people take a, a more close attention to him. On the flip side, Sims looked sloppy. Uh, and has not played well, and it's not going to help him. You know, when you show up and and you don't look good, um, Rob Havenstein of of Wisconsin is another guy that has a lot of really sloppy weight. I mean, he he, he was pushing a, a big muffin top yesterday, but but at the same time, he's at least showing on the field that he has some play. But it is something. Um, Ty Sambrelo, the uh, tackle from Colorado State, is another example of a guy who's not very sculpted or or put together all that well and it makes Scott stick a little bit okay you know what can we do with this guy is, is he as prepared as he really can be for this you know is or is that what he is is he not going to be able to get any stronger is he not going to attack the weight room uh it, it does raise some some minor flags the, the bigger things are are like hand size uh auburn center Dismukes has eight and a quarter inch hands that's that's microscopic that's the guy in the burger king yeah with the tiny hands that can't hold the cheeseburger uh, <laughs> I mean that that's a very real detriment to his job performance uh and then you get some guys with with freakish length, uh you know the the, the long-armed guys uh uh there's there's a few of them down here that they're that, that just wow, wild people with their their hand size their arm length uh Nate orchard from utah had a very good wingspan that's something that you want to see on guys who play on the edge uh so it it, it absolutely does matter um I, I try to treat it uh, You guys remember the old show Are You Hot With Lorenzo Lamas And the laser pointer Pointing at people's fat oh, That's wow. how I try to treat it and, and if you do that It's a lot of fun uh because you know you can pick out the guys with the bad tattoos and guys that don't shave their backs and and it it's it, it adds a lot more enjoyment to it than just sitting there in a room with fifteen hundred men watching guys on their underwear walk on a stage, which is really really bizarre when you think about it,
0: yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely one of the odder aspects in of of the senior Bowl, and I think we all understand that um and you know aside from guys that you know you think have yeah it's a it's a good test for to see if the guys actually hit their measurables as far as they're listed too. one of those guys who is getting a, a ton of good buzz and we've been talking about him here for months is Quentin Rollins um you know it's another guy that's stro- you know a lot of buzz in uh, in in uh, the senior bowl uh, another guy like Tony LePette who's gone from you know wide receiver to cornerback and even Nick Marshall who's done the same um are you know any of those guys really catching your eye and especially with the with the two changing their positions as you think that'll work out in the NFL.
1: Yeah. You know what? Marshall, uh, for the first day he's played defensive back, he looked all right yesterday. He certainly has the movement skills and the size to do it. Uh, Obviously there's not any polish to his technique yet, but you can see some, some workability with it. Uh, Another guy who's, who's made a position change is is Utah cornerback, Eric Rowe. He actually played safety this morning, which is what he played for his first three years at Utah. And uh, he picked off Sean Mannion, like it was nothing uh, playing center field. Uh, so there, there's a chance for guys like that to, who can fill multiple roles. And I think that's something you've seen from them. Uh, Lippett, he, he, he really needs to get stronger because he does have decent skills as a wide receiver and a corner. But he he just really lacks strength and doesn't have a lot of physicality to his game on either side. Uh, he'll catch anything thrown to him on either side of the ball, but it's a question of being physical enough and, and mentally tough enough to, to handle other people being physical with him. So that those are some of the obstacles that you have to come across when you're when you're doing the position changes because you're learning. You know, it's not just doing the physical things; it's also processing the mental things of how you're going to be played against you. Uh, which is very different from what you've experienced at your other spots.
2: Well, Jeff, you you brought up um, you know Blake Sims earlier. We're obviously in Philadelphia, all fascinated with the quarterback position. Can you kind of talk about how Garrett Grayson and Bryce Petty are, have been doing this week? This week?
1: Yeah, you know what? Those are the two best quarterbacks here, uh, and that, that's honestly not saying a lot. Uh, Grayson uh, impressed me yesterday with his arm strength. He he's got some sizzle to his ball. Uh, it, it's not Matthew Stafford level, but it, it's pretty darn good. Uh, he doesn't have any timing worked out with his receivers yet. That showed a lot. Uh, he overthrew Sandy coats quite a bit. Uh, coaches isn't quite as fast as advertised. It looks like, uh, because all the quarterbacks were overthrowing him. Uh, yeah, he, he's got a gun, uh, and, and he can move around a little. He's, he's a pretty well-built guy for being a little over six foot two. Uh, you can definitely see some tools there. Uh, as far as, as petty, he, there, the context is very important with Bryce, but you have to keep in mind, he's only 18 months younger than Andrew Luck. He's broken his back twice. He's blown out both knees and he's had three serious concussions, which have caused him to miss games. Uh, that's a tough sell to an NFL team. Now there is a lot of physical talent there. He's he's a very well-built guy, and he can throw on the move, and he can run, and he runs with some power. and He's 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 got a very good sense of the field and and command of the offense. But there's a lot of extraneous circumstances there that are, that teams are really going to have to consider when when looking at him, uh, especially where he's projected to get drafted in the second or third round. I mean, that's you're looking at a lot of medical issues there that uh, that have to be taken into account.
0: And there's a lot of, you know, there's a still a lot of buzz uh, as far as the quarterback position goes down there, as obviously just told us that. And here now we're starting to filter out some rumors here in Philadelphia that the Titans, the Texans may be interested in, you know, trading for Nick Foles. And of course, you know, Walter Football chiming in saying that they're all big on Brett Huntley. But I don't really, not really concerned about that, but I think it's, it is interesting. Have you heard anything down there as far as, you know, a, a market for Nick Foles? Our team's interested.
1: Well, everybody is trying to, to gauge the interest of the players that are on their team that they deem superfluous, and I think Philadelphia has certainly done that with Nick Foles. I I don't think there's much question that he's not going to be, going to be the quarterback going forward, uh, and if they're trying to drum up interest, they're they're doing a good job of it. Uh, my honest opinion is that I think it's more of Philadelphia sorting, sort of putting things out there and seeing what sticks and, and who bites on it, more than the other teams necessarily calling them. That that seems to be what most teams do at this point: is start floating things from inside to to see what the outside reaction is, and then they react off of that. And I think that's how deals get done. And you see a lot more of that in the next couple of weeks heading into the combine in Indianapolis, uh, which is where the deals usually get worked out
0: very very interesting and and something I have to ask you about and granted I just I don't want to know the team because I know it's 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 you know it's a very sensitive thing but you did tweet out that Chip Kelly and Bill O'Brien were making fun of the way somebody was scouting I just want to know was it either one of their teams that they were internally making fun of or was definitely a different team.
1: It was a different team, and it's not a division rival of either team, and yeah. that's all I can say. Okay.
0: <laughs> very, very interesting. Jeff Riston, of course, from the Real GM and a uh, feature writer for the Bleach Report for the Detroit Lions. Thank you so much for uh, joining us right here on BGN Radio, my friend, and keep us updated on anything that happens down in uh, Alabama, sir.
1: Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Wow. So, uh, pretty interesting stuff from you know, you know, know Jeff's mouth. I know there's a lot of stuff that's been going around, even today, that uh, or uh, late last night, even that, um, you know, a couple of scouts saying, well, I think, you know, Chip's going to go all in and, and mortgage the future to get his guy here. Uh, you know, if the Eagles are trying to create a trading market, pretty interesting. And, you know, in Jeff's opinion, that they think obviously he's going to move on. And he's the, the thing that struck me so much is he just said it not sh- non, uh, so nonchalantly. Like, it's just like, Oh yeah, well, obviously he's not the quarterback of the future.
2: So yeah, it was understood. It was like it was understood. It was like it was like a thing that that I mean, it was like a matter of fact, which I found interesting. Now, I, I want to specify. Jeff's been covering the Senior Bowl for seven years and is used to the rumors that are going around there. That is a rumor. I he is not reporting that. uh, It seemed like that seemed like it was all pretty much opinion based. Would you agree, John?
0: Yeah, for the most part. But I mean, if that the, the first part of what he said, as far as I'm I mean, it just, like before he said, in my opinion, there was just, I thought he was really going somewhere for a second. I mean, if, you know, this is this is what, uh, I, I agree with the This is what teams tend to do if they're you see those things of, you know, we brought up Tennessee, we brought up Houston. Uh, let's throw that out there and just see if we get any replies. I, I, I do think that you would have to gauge somebody's value right now if you're not sure, and, you know, if the Eagles – I mean, not that it's necessary. It, it, to me, it's weird because we've we've been hearing kind of something semi-opposite as well, just from our side, because um, why Why would you? I mean, me and Mike have, have talked at length off air. As much as you want to maybe move on from Nick Foles, he's cheap. He's cheap, and he's still on his rookie contract, so there's no real I mean, reason well, to cut of him off.
2: Exactly. Well, so you're cutting your nose off to bite your face because you're going to sign a veteran who's probably going to cost you $3 million a year, which is $2 million more than you'd have to pay Nick. And he doesn't know the offense. And there's a chance that even if you bring in, let's say they do love Hundley, let's say they do love uh, Mariota, let's say they like Garrett Grayson, whatever. Those guys, chances are they're probably going to have to sit. I don't fully agree with Mel Kuyper that Mariota isn't ready to play in an NFL offense as a rookie. I just don't think he's ready. He's I don't think a training camp is going to get him ready to play in those first four games. I think you need to, I think you need to chill out, let him learn a little bit more, give him as much time to be successful mentally before you have him be successful physically, but no, but what that's because he does need a, he needs to be able to read an a, a defense better. He needs to have to understand a blitz when the offense isn't wide open Um, you know, there, there are stuff, things that he needs to learn. It's going to be the same thing for Winston. Winston's a little bit more pro ready because he played in a pro style offense and you don't have to change a lot for him. Same could be said for Mariota if he goes to the Eagles, but if he goes to another team they're going to, he's going to need time. That said, that said, right. You know, you want a guy that can take over the offense for four games. And if you're trying to make the playoffs, be able to win three or two or three of those games, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I and I totally get that and I agree for the most part that even Chip I, I don't think would rush him in there. If if he's not like he's not gonna just throw him out there because even if he dumped the entire draft to go get him, I don't I still think he, and it would to the, you know, disappointment and probably hot takeness of some Eagles fans, I think they would say, Oh my god, he wasted all these picks. Now he's not even on the field and da da da. The other point of that too is just like if you're if you are going to do that, um I I get it from the sense that there's no way that Nick Foles would stay on this team. Like, if you dumped that much into the, into Mariota to go get him, Nick Foles isn't going to be like, oh, great, you know, it's fine. Oh, I'm a, I'm a team guy. I'll stay here. I'm, more than likely, he's going to request that trade on his own.
2: Well, so, yeah. Well, and if you do that in day one, or let's say you do it before the draft, you know Nick's going to be the popular name the entire second day of the draft. Yes. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me. Let, here, let me say this, John. Let's say you were able to get a third round pick and a conditional fifth round pick that could become a third if he signs an extension the next year, sure, so that's two third round picks for Nick. You're getting an extra third round pick for the value that to me makes a lot of sense. Anything less than that to me is kind of ridiculous if you're gonna trade him for a fourth round pick, you're just trading him just to trade him, and that's a stupid move. yeah, if well, you get yeah. Second round-
0: but but i'm but my point is from just from full's perspective of just like if you if that was your job and there's was like yeah we're we're moving on from you and there's a ton of quarterback hungry teams like you can go play for the jets you go go play for anybody really at that point why why bother even sticking around um so i think they would i think they just would have to uh which which would almost make you know the trade value maybe maybe not as not as great and maybe only get that fourth round pick for him and and nothing else the other corner of that is maybe they they would need it depending on what kind of stuff that they're giving up too. and i know we keep trying to play around with the different market of what what it would take to to kind of do all this stuff here but um you know it's interesting too cuz there well and and originally a, a lot of people were saying well Tennessee's going to pass on either quarterback it doesn't matter they're going to they're going to move on they're going to you know draft Williams and and or hold that pick hostage or whatever but it's interesting cuz now you've heard uh Wisnant, who is one of the coaches down there for I can't remember which side in the Senior Bowl but it's been reported that he called Mariota to see if he had any you know late late changes and he wanted to come down to senior role practice. So obviously he wanted to get a look too, and maybe that's more due diligence than anything. But uh, from everything that that that's being added up here, I don't think the double jump scenario is going to work. I know Mark Eckel was saying something about that. I don't think that works. And I think it's it doesn't make sense at all, and it's way too dangerous to do that. Um, you're going to have to do this in one shot, and you just got to pick and choose. And if – uh, you know, uh, it, the reality of it is, it, it may come down to Tampa Bay's your 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 team, and whether or not you can convince them to slide back down, is 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 it? I think I think you have to to eliminate anything else. You have to be at that number one spot, and uh, I just,
2: I just think if you're gonna make two moves and you're gonna play the Oregon Trail, you're gonna get dysentery <laughs> and you're gonna die, and it's just it's it's just not work. You've got to do one shot. This is. This is an all expense paid vacation to Mariota land. If that's what you want. Now I'm not saying like, I agree that you have to do everything I've said before. Anything in this draft class is up for grabs in my opinion, but next year I just want to be able to, if Marriott is not very good or if the offense isn't clicking because there's not enough weapons around him, you want to be able to restock the fridge. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And that's, Uh, especially I know everybody brings up the secondary and all that stuff. Mike's made this point several times. Uh, Whatever they do in free agency is going to give you a great indication of their intentions. Um, So, you know, there's – I I think that they are going to go heavy defensively in free agency and however that works out. Hopefully it – you know, they don't kind of handcuff themselves there. Um, And just like Mike said, there are those weapons, even in this draft, that there's still a lot of guys that we like that could help this – Football team that you would kind of be like, ah, oh, damn! I hope we don't miss. I hope we can get that and maybe a couple of these guys here. Uh, one of those guys in particular, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Mr. Max Williams, the uh, tight end from Minnesota, uh, is uh, actually with us right now on the uh, Duncan Philly hotline. Max, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Uh, doing uh, doing great. You know, is uh, you know, there are a lot of questions we want to ask you. But first of all, I think the double X Max, you know, is pretty. Awesome. Did your parents have, uh, you know, any, any story behind the double X?
1: Uh, I think it was uh, because my name is just Max without Maxwell or anything after it. So I think they put the LRX after it to be like a little unique with it. And so people kind of didn't assume
2: that my name was Maxwell. <laughs>
0: uh, that's awesome. So
2: it makes I, so much sense. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, and, you know, wh- why is it uh, that you have decided to kind of step out and just kind of forego uh, what would be, I guess, your, your uh, senior year here uh, to uh, come into the NFL draft?
1: You know, for me, it was uh, sitting down with my family and understanding the opportunities I had to leave early. And uh, I think the main factor actually is one day uh, I sat down with my dad and my dad said, why did you play college football? And he said, was it to be an All-American, win all these awards or what? And I said, my dream always was to follow in his footsteps and, and to play in the NFL and to have that opportunity earlier in my career and, knowing that I have a good chance to be drafted and just having that chances and kind of weighing my pros and cons it just seemed like a perfect time in my life and for my family for me to declare.
2: Well Max, uh you know, people don't realize this cuz when they watch your tape you are definitely a full-grown man already, but you're only 20 years old, you're going to be 21 in April. Uh what do you, how do you think your age appeals to teams, you know, because you have the lack of wear and tear and uh, you're easy to mold. What would you say is your the biggest benefit of being going into the NFL so young?
1: I think it's exactly what you said. It's the fact that uh my, I am younger, so my body hasn't went through two more seasons than most guys there in the draft. And just being young enough where they have time where they can develop me into a tight end that they want me to be for their team. So it's not like I'm already set my ways. I'm still young. I'm still raw with whatever I can do. And, when I get on a team, then they can really mold me into what they want me to become.
0: Talking with uh, Max Williams from the uh, University of Minnesota, tight end, and you know, one of the things that is is going on this week is obviously the Senior Bowl, and um, a lot of a lot of hype around that. And there's also a lot of hype around the Combine and things like that. What are you doing to prepare yourself uh, for the Combine this year?
1: I'm actually uh, out in California training in uh, Laguna Beach with Athletes First in Proactive. So I'm out here. I've been out here since a few days after our bowl game on January 1st. And just every day working hard, trying to get my form right for running the 40 and hitting hard in the weight room just to kind of try to maximize everything I could do leading up to the combine. Uh,
2: You know, Max, you mentioned before that your dad played the NFL. I know your grandfather also played the NFL. Um, Your dad's actually somewhat of a local guy. He's from Mount Lebanon, right?
1: Yep. He grew up in Mount Lebanon, uh, Pennsylvania. And then uh, he ended up going to the University of Minnesota as well.
2: Right, and so he under, unfortunately played for the rival Giants. But how has his his background, um, you know, in the NFL, kind of helped mold you into, you know, getting ready for the draft and preparing for this major decision that you made?
1: Well, I mean, I think growing up and uh, through my college career and high school, he was he was always someone in my corner that I could turn to and uh, look for pointers and just someone who really truly understood the game and did it for a living. So it was always nice to be able to call him after, like, practices, and he came to a lot of practices, and after games, talking to him, and just really understanding what I could do to become a better player. And now that I've decided to go pro, he's really helped me understand what it means to be a pro, and he's trying to teach me now what, what it actually means to be a pro and how you handle yourself, and just kind of that next step in my life. I mean, the new chapter, it's a big step, so it's, it's nice having him knowing he's been through it, and he can guide me now as I grow
0: and one of the things that I, I think caught everybody's attention, including mine, when you know people are saying, "Hey, you really need to take a look at this guy." You're in the Citrus Bowl. You're playing against Missouri. Uh, you're you're uh, you're wide open. You you know you cut it up uh, you know, with ten or fifteen yards. You jump over a guy. You break a tackle for a touchdown. Uh, how awesome was that?
1: You know, it goes back to uh, I think it was the third game of the year or the second early on, and uh, I actually hurdled the first guy ever in my football career. And uh, I I got tackled right after, and I was like, God, that would have been so cool if I could hurt a guy and then run in for a touchdown. So you always see the guys on ESPN stuff doing it. And just having my opportunity like that, where I did get over the first guy and then got over the second guy to score, it's kind of like one of those things you always dream about. And just to make it a reality, it's a very special moment for me of my memories of what I did in college football. And uh, it's one of those things I always look back on and just kind
2: of laugh about it like
1: that that shouldn't have worked out how it did. (laughs)
2: Uh, and Max, you know, again, I, I know i bringing your dad up again, don't want him to overshadow you, but he was an offensive lineman. And one of the things that really stands out on tape with you is how effective of a blocker you are. Um, can you kind of just talk about uh, your blocking prowess? I mean, it's really, really impressive for a guy who's only been in college football really for two years and is still kind of learning the trade.
1: I mean, I think it would help me out there. Definitely that uh, at Minnesota we ran a power football offense instead of like spread and passing. So a lot of our focus was learning how to block and just the technique of blocking, which helped me a lot because when I came into college, I was, I was a quarterback in high school. So I actually, I just learned when I came to college. So I think just working every day on technique and understanding that I am a tight end and blocking dogs have to come first at times really helped me develop into how I play.
0: And some of the guys that you, you know might look up to, or is there some you know workout trends you emulate uh, from anybody in the NFL uh, pro game right now?
1: I mean, you definitely look at guys like Jason Witten, Jimmy, or Jimmy Graham, and Gronkowski and just see how they play their game. And you try to always model after what they're doing because they're successful and everyone wants to do the best they can. And right now I see those guys and it's like they've been through it and they're at the top of their game and that's what I try to play like.
0: Do you think you can be as successful as the three guys you mentioned?
1: Definitely. I mean, you set your mind to anything and you put the work in and you understand what you have to do. I think I had the opportunity to be just like them and go out there and succeed just like they have. Um, and then Max, uh,
2: you know, you were used in a lot of different ways at Minnesota. You, I saw you get used at H full back, fullback. You were an inline blocker. You were out wide a wide receiver. You played in the slot. What was your favorite um, position to play when you when you were at Minnesota?
1: I mean, I don't think it really mattered to me. I would have done anything. I mean, I enjoyed it all. I mean who not many people get a chance to go out there on Saturdays and play big-time college football. So really, just going out there and playing the game and just playing football in general, I just enjoyed it all.
0: Well, Max Williams, uh, tight end from Minnesota. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for a quick uh, couple of minutes, and good luck to you in the Combine as well as the draft, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Thanks for having me. So a great conversation uh, with Max Williams, and of course, repeatedly over and over again. Thank God he's out of the Big Ten, so he doesn't have to play Iowa. Uh, just a really smart kid, uh, really smart, and, and just I I I know you um, think there might be like functionists might be the better all around catching tight end in this draft, but really Max Williams for my, for my money is is probably the guy if you need a tight end this year.
2: Well, he's the most complete. I mean, he's the Easily the best blocking tight end. He might be the best blocking non-offensive lineman in this draft. It's really incredible. Like that's, it's hard to watch tape of a tight end that's just an inline blocker. But watching him, he's not just an inline blocker. But watching him just inline block is incredible. It's so much fun. And uh, you know, we, Brent Seleck's not getting any younger. Yep. And he's not getting any cheaper and you've got a guy in James Casey who's dynamite on special teams he might why would he take a pay cut you know what I mean he could go to Atlanta or Oakland and be the starter day one you know so there's a potential for a guy to be cut we still don't know what we have in Trey Burden who's got great hands but we don't know if he can block very well you know it's the thing is too about Max is that you know, he can line up anywhere and we've seen Zach Ertz line up anywhere. And so maybe having two tight ends creates that matchup problem or even having three tight ends. This would allow him to chip to really play with, with uh, the offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a guy like that, I think who's, you know, you can have Ertz out wide uh, many times and, and keep this guy in there. Look, if, if just like all the other stuff we were talking about earlier, um, if they have the draft picks in there, I would love Max Williams on this football team uh plus it would be revenge because i think it's we said his dad uh played for the giants right so it'd be a nice <laughs> nice little switch up of of all that stuff but um yeah so we kind of close out the show uh, sean hickey uh is going to uh join us here shortly and of course i i called him a guard only because there's been so many people that um have said that he could be he could be great in there um he can play tackle too i'm not taking that away from him i my uh, kid uh, made the comp that uh, very much so he could be uh the next type of Todd Harriman's where he could go uh in and out he's that uh, he's that uh versatile so we'll get back into him uh in just a little bit but Mike just a quick update who have the eagles been talking to if uh, people don't know that already
2: well you know let's go down the list so jimmy has brought up eric rowe who you mentioned earlier uh elliot short parks from nj.com has brought up curtis drummond the safety for michigan state uh denzel perryman from miami who's That's an you. inside linebacker One that eight, i absolutely yes. love um, another guy that I mentioned in my preview uh, from Ole Miss, the safety Cody Pruitt. I knew the Eagles would have interest in him. Uh, Elliot Shore Parks uh, mentioned that they had a meeting. Um, I reported on Wednesday that uh, the Eagles had met with um, Blake Sims from Alabama. Uh, it wasn't a, an official meeting. They just had a conversation and felt each other out. Uh, another really good guy that's coming out that Elliot, uh, had mentioned was oil Kika from, uh, Washington, who was an absolute monster off the edge. Uh, really interested to see if they have a lot more interest moving forward. Um, another interesting one that I thought was weird was they interviewed a long snapper from Navy Joe, uh, uh, Cardona, and I'm not going to act like I know anything about this guy, but, uh, interesting, interesting you know, after you just signed Doran an Extension. They also talked to Josh Shaw from USC and obviously uh, Matt Daring's favorite person in the entire world, (laughs) Miami of Ohio cornerback, Quentin Rollins uh, reported by ESP and uh, Jimmy Kemski respectively.
0: Yeah. Freaking uh, that guy has absolutely skyrocketed. I mean, uh, seriously, we started talking about him uh, a little before the season was over and now he's, you know, a bunch of people are on his bandwagon and, a lot of people putting like the first round uh tag on them uh that could be the that day one cornerback that kind of slips every uh slips through there um it's good yeah again uh, interesting and and uh, senior bowl starts to get uh, starts to get things rolling we start getting a little more excited to get out of that January uh rumor air and then just that horrible dead period in February and finally we can kind of get back to the mock drafts uh in early March but we'll We'll uh, have as uh, many people and uh, football players and all that good stuff trying to uh, uh, on BGN Radio, and one of them is, uh, is sat down with Mike Kay a little earlier uh, this week. Uh, again, uh, Sean Hickey, the tackle from uh, Syracuse. Uh, here he is with uh, Mike K on his East-West Shrine Game experience.
2: We're here with uh, Sean Hickey from Syracuse, uh, left tackle for the Orange. Uh, how you doing, Sean? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. So, you know, you're coming off the East-West Shrine game. You got to, uh, you know, be in an environment where you were being scouted. You kind of had, uh, you were among the first to really be scouted because uh, the Shrine game happens before the Senior Bowl. Can you kind of talk about that experience and what went into the week?
1: Uh, it was a good experience. The first thing I wanted to make sure when I got there was, is, there, is 99% of the players in that game were able to play through the month of December, and I was not. So I had to make sure going into the game that I wasn't going to have too much rust early on. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to jump in there and basically be caught up to speed. So it led to a lot of preparation, uh, not only weightlifting-wise, but also football-wise leading up into the game. So whenever I got to the game, I felt pretty well. I didn't know exactly what position I would be playing at the game until the day before the first practice and i've been repping both hours uh practicing both tackles uh beating my first year at Syrac- my first year starting at syracuse i started the first four games at left tackle while justin Pugh, now with the giants was hurt with a shoulder injury and then i went and played right tackle for the last nine games in 2012 and then i was a left tackle ever since and once i got to the game i was the only tackle to actually have like right really a lot of right experience so Initially they put me at right, so I had to switch all my footwork up. I haven't taken a live rep at right tack for about two years. So trying to get that back uh like kind of on the fly with live reps was uh, a challenge, but at the same time I thought I did a pretty good job with it. And then when I went back to left it was pretty uh it was a pretty uh just familiar uh was a familiar big like, position. So I I was fine with that. And I got some uh, I got I've read it. Some people say I got a lot of guard reps. I only got one guard rep, and that was in one-on-ones on Tuesday. I wanted to make sure that I got a guard rep, and uh, I did well with that. So I felt like I had a pretty successful week. Uh, I went 8-1 and one in one-on-ones, and I only lost one one-on-one the first day, my second time at right tackle. And I felt it was a pretty solid week.
2: Well, that's great, man. Um, you know, you seem to be a guy that is – kind of versatile and that you can play four of the five offensive line positions. You're also kind of known for being a very quick guy off the line. What would you say your biggest strength is?
1: Uh, Well, looking back on my career at Syracuse, I feel I protect the quarterback very well. Um, in, In 38 games, I was only credited with two sacks in three seasons and I had half of a sack Given up in 2012, actually me and Justin Pugh only had a half a sack on the year. It was actually on the same exact play. It was against against Rutgers in 2012, 2013. I gave up one sack uh, to Vic Beasley and against Clemson. And then this past season, I only gave up uh, half a sack, and that was against NC State. And it was on a uh, it was on a sprint out to the right, which is it's not even technically truly pass blocking. So I felt that I, I protect the quarterback very well, um, and in terms of production, that, that yeah, you can't really get do too much better. than obviously you can get your technique better, and you, and there's things that that be able to translate to the next level that you have to be master at. But in terms of production, I felt I protect the quarterback very well, and I felt my uh, technique was on point, and I have a good understanding of zone blocking schemes and in uh, in uh, just being in. Uh, different types of systems. I've had three O line coaches in three years so I you know I can adapt to coaching. And I, I just feel that uh as well as I work really hard in the weight room, uh I, I I try to catch on to things pretty quickly once I start getting live reps and practice at it and I just feel wherever a team needs me to be I can be.
2: You're from Murraysville. uh. Did you grow up an Eagles fan or, or a Steelers fan? Who who'd, who'd you kind of align with growing up watching football?
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> I was uh, probably the, growing up the biggest Steelers fan really there was. Uh, my family has um, has had a Steelers season tickets since like the 1950s. So oh. I just, it was just the environment I grew up in, and it go, I go to all those games. But as what was interesting to me was when I first got to college, I was still that diehard, like crazy for the first two years, but then once you start playing and your focus, when you're actually like starting and your focus goes away from being a fan and you don't really care about that stuff as much anymore. Obviously, I was still hoping that they would win because I didn't like, uh, because I was still, I, I, I wasn't in the NFL, so I would still be a fan, but at the same time, it wasn't nearly to the to the level that it was when I was younger. And as the, the more and more you play, the More you really focus on your career instead of being a fan.
2: Are you? Do you have like a, pre, a preference on what type of uh, blocking scheme you play in uh, heading into the NFL? I know you are. Like I said, you are a really athletic guy. Do you think uh, the zone blocking scheme really fits your strengths? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I played in a zone blocking scheme basically my whole life. Uh, and, and in high school, we ran. At uh, high school, it was, it was predominantly zone blocking scheme. College was predominantly zone blocking scheme, mixed with some power in there. So, like, in, in in a power scheme, uh, I, I did well on, on most of my double teams this year whenever they a power scheme, is a double team on the front side, pull on the back side, kick out, and all that. So I feel um, my double teams were pretty, were pretty solid, but at the same time, I feel probably most comfortable in a, in a zone-blocking team just because I've done it for a while, and I understand where, depending on the type of zone running play you're having, where the ball's going to cut, where it's trying to go. If it doesn't go that way, why it didn't. Uh, you're at the angles involved, and, and I'm pretty comfortable with it.
2: Uh, have you leaned on guys like Ryan Nassib and Justin Pugh uh, heading into the draft? Have they given you any advice so far?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, talking uh, with Justin, just just you You want to get ready for the combine and, and with all that, but you still want to keep up your technique through this time because it's just something you constantly, constantly have to keep improving and improving. So like, just because you're going to the combine doesn't mean you want to stop the football stuff for a while. You you want to keep both, you want to keep both up to speed in terms of being in shape as well as, uh, as technique things. Um, in, in just him going through the process and us being similar players, it, it's helping me out tremendously. Uh, as well as, uh, training preferences. Right now, uh, I, I was training in Pittsburgh, uh, for the first month since we didn't have a bowl game. And then, uh, a lot of the guys that went away to all these places, like I, like down in Florida, Atlanta, Arizona, they go and they say their time's not really change that much. They don't, it, it, it's not that big of a, a, that big of an advantage compared to what you would think if you were younger going to those places. Oh, that must be so amazing go to those places. And they all came back and say, stay in Syracuse and train with our strength coach. And I, a lot of people, so many people like Chandler Arch, a lot of these guys come back and say that. And I took their advice to them. Actually, I got back up here yesterday after the Shrine game and I had a great workout today. And I'm, and I'm really looking forward to the next two months being up here training hard with our strength coach. And um, I can't be more excited about it.
2: Awesome. let me uh, wrap you up on this question who uh who was the toughest guy to block at the shrine game and also who was the toughest guy you've ever had to block in in an actual uh syracuse game
1: um the shrine the, the shrine game had a, a lot of good uh like, like some very good rushers whenever uh i, I went up against two of them at like when we played louisville uh this season so i was a little familiar with them but they were both uh with um the markers of uh with Mount from Louisville and uh, B.J. DuBose. They're solid rushers. Uh, Z'Dar- Z'Darrius Smith was a good rusher from Kentucky. He's a big guy. you we going We a big, strong guy like that. You got to get your, you got to try to get your hands on him quick. And uh, then the guy from Miami was good as well. Like they, they did, they did great in the game. They did great in, in the game and, uh, and they kind of were running around the less tackles. So I felt that uh, they were all solid rushers and I, and I felt like they pretty, pretty good of them in one-on-ones and, in and, uh, the team periods within the week. And then, uh, I would say they, like, so they were all solid. I think, uh, Smith's a pretty solid talent. Uh, I think he's gonna have a bright future, um, uh, from Kentucky and overall my career. I think the structure is without a without a doubt, Vic Beasley from Clemson, uh, I, two years ago in 2013, I didn't really foresee him having a bull rush, but then I realized during the game that he did. I went through a lot of. Uh, I went through a lot of this this upcoming year, a lot of preparation, a lot of film study, a lot of a lot of making sure that my technique was going to be on point when I went up against them again at Clemson. And I tried to come up with the best uh, plan possible, and I felt like I did that, and it was one of my better games. And uh, I was proud of like even though we didn't win the game, and that's always the main goal. I was proud of my performance in that game, and I'm uh, hoping that that game helps me uh in the, through the draft evaluation process
2: well that was sean hickey thanks for uh joining us man i appreciate it good luck with uh, the combine and all your training and hopefully we'll hear from you soon
1: thanks thanks i really appreciate it thanks for having me on
0: and of course another big thank you to uh sean hickey for uh sitting down with uh mike k that's gonna wrap it up for us but a couple of notes as we are uh running out here the uh eagles and chip kelly have hired a new quarterbacks coach uh so the the new future uh, offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans is going to be Ryan Day from uh, Boston College. So it looks like Chip is bringing college to him rather than him going to it. Uh, also, it looks like our old friend Tom Gamble is expected to rejoin the 49ers. And we'll be touching on those things next week in our Super Bowl preview show. Uh, but for uh, myself, John Bartard for Mr. Mike K, and all of you listening out there, have a wonderful weekend. and Thank you so much for listening to episode number 80 of BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.
2: You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.